Welcome to the Landco Podcast. This is the year-round waterfowl hunter series, where we dissect the monthly activities of a successful waterfowl hunter. I'm your host and managing partner at Landco, John O'Reilly. Hey guys, welcome back to the Landco Podcast. We are back at it, episode uh, two with the year-round waterfowl hunter. Back at it with Jody Graff. Jody, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Okay, so quick um, kind of um, point on how we do this, like how we format it. We just go over like the three or four main things of what we're doing this month. Last month it was you know January. Now we're into February. Still a little uh, slow because because of the weather. Jody's a little further ahead than I am, which is kind of cool. Um, but we're just going to go over what we did. Now it's last month because we're actually into March now. But so what we did in February in preparation for the upcoming season. So um, Jody sent me a list of three or four things that he's doing. As we would expect, most or several of them are the same, but some are a little different. So um, let's start with um, what's probably the most exciting. You have projects going, like like tracks on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, so um, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen some drier weather. Uh, you know, it's been wet since October here in northern Missouri, and and we finally caught a break. We've we've had some dry weather, and has allowed us to get in and and start doing some dirt work. So we've got some big projects um, starting with uh levying up some uh, a new green tree reservoir project that i'm really excited about it's been like a year and a half in the making and we're finally starting you know on the project and so we've got a, a track hoe and a couple dozers we've got a tractor scraper running we've had a, a couple of skid steers guys with chainsaws like getting after it everybody's excited to get back to work you know it's been a long winter um and and now we're now we're right back in the saddle and and the hardest thing to do now is get sleep <laughs> <laughs> i know we were supposed to do this uh, podcast at what nine and now it's nine a.m and now we're like what nine thirty p.m yeah yeah that's how it goes um so two questions about that um we never get to start well i shouldn't say never but like pretty much never get to start projects this early is that normal for you guys out there in central missouri do you ever start projects now Man, he, you know, sometimes we get the opportunity with a dry, a dry winter. Um, this hasn't been a dry winter, but like I said, my guys are chomping at the bit, you know, yeah. to get started. And so you're you know, walking around down there a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so with the soil types that we got, man, sometimes it just takes getting in and and breaking the seal and working the ground a little bit and you know we we mudded around the first couple of days in order to get started after we got uh, after we got some of the vegetation off the uh, off of the ground and and we got the leaves kind of you know chewed up and and got the ground opened up a little bit everything started drying out and as like every day we worked it got better and better and better we probably shouldn't have started when we did but <laughs> you got a little excited but but i mean you know we we're cleaning the tracks out of the hoe and out of the skid steer every night because it was you know trying to freeze at night and and so it you know a lot of extra work things were a little slower but i'm glad we did i'm glad we started when we did because now we're able to run pretty hard yeah and, we're ahead of the game a little bit now yeah <laughs> 
and and like I said, sometimes it just takes breaking the ground, you know, getting some air to it, getting some sunlight to it, and and like windy days like today. I mean, women's rolling thirty five mile an hour. Yeah, things are cool. a lot today. I have yeah. a little clip, I have a little clip that you sent me. Should I show it? Yeah. yeah. What what is this? this? Is just like a little? It looks like you got a, a hi ho here, pushing some timber around. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we were we we're clearing off an old flood protection levy that that was probably built back in the twenties. Okay. And anyway, it's around an old lake that um, that is tied to the Grand River, and we're taking we're we're going to use this old flood protection levy as um, some of our infrastructure in a Green Tree Reservoir. Um, we're using that 4,000 foot levee to, you know, kind of section off a pool. Right. And we're going to tie into that levee in several spots. We're going to cut that levee down and create some spillways and, and, uh, put a couple water control structures in it. Um, you, you know, with the high quality timber that we have there, pin oaks and pecans, um, it's really important to be able to get the water off. And so we're, you know, we're going to install a couple of 24 inch water control structures so that, so that we can get the water off as quick as we can whenever it floods. Yeah. This is ground that is not flood protected. So it's tied to the Grand River. Um, And we're going to have spillways in there. So we'll have uh, the top of the levee and then six inches below that we'll have some spillways and a foot below that we'll have full pool. Okay. And, and so really in the situation I'd like to have, you know, maybe six inch increments, um, you know, out in the ag ground, we'd like to see one foot increments, you know, mm-hmm. so full pool, a foot above that, have a spillway and a foot above that, uh, have, have your levee top. It just gives you, um, you, you know, it helps thing, it helps the top of the levee dry, dry out whenever you're at full pool and, you know, so you're not mucking around on top of the levee all the time. But it's really important that we get the water off of this timber in yeah, order to yeah. keep it alive. I mean, that's that's the number one goal is to, you know, increase the infrastructure and increase or improve the drainage to get the water off. And so we're over I, I mean, way over building the drainage on this thing. Two 24-inch water control structures to get the water off after it floods. Because if the water sits in there, it's going to silt. It's going to collect more silt. And okay. and so that's what we don't want to have happen um, is this property continue to silt in. Um, but that gets back to my, to my point here. Um, the foot between full pool and our spillways is, I, I, I mean, we're expecting this over the next 20 years, 30 years, 50 years to silt in some. So we're leaving ourselves a little bit of freeboard and allowing for in the future to hold that water higher because we expect we're going to lose a little bit of that, you know, a little bit of the water holding capability. Um, just because it's going to continue to silt in. That's about what we do. We usually shoot for six, well, a foot, six inches if we push it. So we're about the same, but so, um, 
the green tree plot you're talking about, talk a little bit about why you do that. Because I'll tell you, like here in Illinois, that just doesn't happen. I mean, we are corn on corn on corn. In a bad year, we're millet. So we don't get to do much of that. We've talked a little bit about this kind of off camera, but like as dumb it down as much as you can for us. I'm like, tell us why that works where you're at. Diversity is king. And the more, the, the more diverse habitat types that you can provide for the ducks, the, the more of a variety of weather conditions or, or maybe, uh, you know, the times of the year, you're going to be able to have the habitat that they're looking for. Um, this particular spot is in between a couple of private refuges, um, one that we're developing, one that's been established. And uh, so we're going to we're going to try to shoot some sh some ducks that are traveling back and forth between these two spots. Um, so it'll be a kill plot for you. It's not just kind of a place for them to roost. It's a spot that you're going to get in there and hunt when they hit it. Right. Nice. Yeah. Well, I want some footage when that's done. Scratch <laughs> that. I want to invite. Yeah, right. right. You just have to come over, man. Okay, deal. Um, well, that's awesome. I, I'm sort of jealous about that because usually we want to get moving now here. And I like sometimes I'll hold my guys back because we're the stuff that we do here. Like if we're going to design a, a wetland or something like that, if we start and then we get rain, like we're probably worse off than if we didn't start at all. You know what I mean? So right. like, we'll build little coffer dams to help keep the water off where we're working. But in general, man, I just like, all right, let's wait until after the spring stuff, yeah. after the spring rains. And we get a little behind and we're frantic, like, you know, like you, we all are. But um, I wish we got to start right now. Yeah. The, the only, well, we're still in development mode. So like, um, and this is one of my things that we're doing now. You talk about you're actually you know, tracks on the ground, we're still kind of like shooting elevations to kind of perfect things. I, I like to wait till it's like decent weather. I know you can do these all year. Um, it's just brutally cold to be out there. We've caught a few good days, right? Yeah. Like you're out there in a sweatshirt and you can reshoot elevations. It's one thing to shoot them. And like, usually we're, we're um, putting wetlands in like where there's crops, like ag fields. Right. And so you can do, you can be out there in the corn and the, like an idiot or the beans with your little, you know, laser stick. But until the beans are, until the crops are down, you can't get a perfect sense of where that's going to be. Right. So we're out doing it again. Well, I was out there yesterday. Like you said, I didn't know it was going to be like 40 mile per hour winds. So it wasn't perfect, <laughs> but that's what we're doing. Um, so where you're like tracks and you're probably still developing some, not developing, designing some projects. Um, but we're still in design mode a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, this is also a good time of the year in the timber. Because all the leaves are off the trees. You can see further through that timber right now than you can in any other time of the year. And and man, we wouldn't we wouldn't be starting this early if we didn't have seven miles of levee to build this year. Yeah. True. But you know what? Like you, it's just foreign. We were different. Like we just I know some people have some flooded timber in Illinois, but not very many, man. Like that's a foreign concept to us. Um, to have it, we're working on one flooded timber plot on actually a personal farm. It's not even a client farm. Cause I like to try it first because I hear you talk about it. I hear people. It's awesome. Nobody does it here. 
I mean, the closest resemblance we have to that is like a little 10 acre opening in the timber where we plant corn. And it's like, that's not what you're talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, it's just different. I like, I think it's cool, but it, it's different. Um, it, it's, but, it, it's pretty rare in Northern Missouri too. Is it? Um, there, there's really not that many green, tree, you know, true green tree reservoirs. There's a lot of timber holes and there's a lot of lakes in the timber, but not, you know, not a hundred acres of flooded pin oaks. Um, yeah. You know, you get those little acorns that drop. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a lot more common in Southeast Missouri and Arkansas and Tennessee. And, and, you know, you get further South and, and, you know, the, the landscape, uh, I, I guess the landscape is built a little better for providing that kind of habitat. And, um, you know, I've been working on a property in, in West Tennessee and, and I got to go down there in January and hunt with those guys. And what was, what was so cool is to see that there's 250 acres of tillable ground that they refuge and 350 acres of timber that, um, you know, they put water on. The ducks weren't in there for the acorns. They weren't in there uh, for the hard mast. They were in there for the invertebrates, and you know, in that late late winter, early spring molt that the hen mallards have, that second molt, they're after the protein of the invertebrates, and the the leaves that are stacked on top of the ground in the timber are what provide the you know kind of the breeding habitat for for the invertebrates, and so. You know, a lot of people are always think, oh, you know, you got to have pin oaks, you got to have pin oaks. Well, one of the reasons that we like pin oaks in the timber that we hunt for mallards is because the, the pin oak leaves don't break down as right. easily as, let's say, elm or ash or maple or, you know, some of the softer wood. And so that provides a better habitat for those invertebrates. Oh, well, that's so how big a property? I all the stuff is just super fascinating, but like, so let's say my personal farm, okay, it's only, it's only 120 acres. Uh-huh. Like how, big, how big of a farm do you think you need to like incorporate all this? Like, do you have to have a big chunk of land or, you know, if somebody bought 80 acres where you're at, would they be better off just throwing as much corn as they could? Or is that big enough that they want a little diversity even on that small track? Yeah. Um, so you, you don't need a big track. Um, I, I've got a, a property, you know, just 20 minutes from where I live here um, that is not in prime duck country that has a 60 acre wetland pool. We've got about 15 acres of flooded corn um, and we've got about 20 acres of kind of shrub scrub, like, you know, shallow water. Uh, it, it's not pin oak timber. We've got a little five acre block of big mature pin oaks. But um, that shrub scrub is, is where these birds are starting to use more and more. And it's taken two or three years for them to really yeah, you know, right. start using it. But now they're there every time I go. No There's always more ducks in the timber and in that shrub scrub than there is on the wetland pool or in the corn. And, and so, you know, we, we don't have 100 acres of, of you know, uh, surface water there. But we've got 
all the we're we're checking all the boxes. We got more soil habitat. We got corn. Yeah. We've got milo. We've got big pin oak timber. We've got shrub scrub habitat. That's and some more emergent wetland marsh looking stuff. So we've got five different habitat types on this one yeah. one three hundred acre farm. Um, and all of it is, you know, probably on 150 acres of it. Right. Um, so you, you don't need, you know, you don't need a thousand acres. You don't need 600 acres. You need the ability or the landscape has to lend to it a little bit. For you, sure. you know, you can't just grow a 40 foot pinup tree in a couple of years, you know? Um, yeah. so identifying the right site, um, which sure. if you're looking to purchase, uh, can really speed up that process. For sure. Having a property that lends itself to some things that like, you know, like where we're at, it's like, oh, we want to put it in a wetland. It's like, well, because we can't just put it anywhere you want, you know? Um, so I'm with you there. Uh-oh, you froze a little bit. You back? Yeah. Good. Um, so let's move on to another thing because you brought up Milo. <laughs> and last time we chatted, I'm like, or sorghum, you know, it amazes me that in Illinois, I cannot get it to work. I cannot get birds to feed in, in sorghum. And you said that they love it where you're at, where you're at. So I'm doing it again. We're putting in one, uh, maybe two more plots of sorghum. So if it doesn't work, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't make sense to me that it doesn't. So we're actually putting two um, at Double Cluck, the hunt club that we own, on the, the closest to like a, we border a park, so we don't let people hunt close to it. So we have a couple mm -hmm. sanctuary plots. So we're, we call them test plots. And every year we put something different. So we're putting at least one of those into sorghum to see how they go. Yeah. But, yeah. So we, why wouldn't it work here? Oh, man, I, I don't know. Um, it, I don't know. Uh, Weirdest thing. I, could, be, could be that they're getting everything they need from – you know, different food sources and, and don't right. necessarily need, you know, what they're going to get from Milo. Uh, Gosh, it seems like such a good food source though. At elevations, water level. I mean, you what know. do you bring it up to? So like that, so like usually like that, the top of it, that'll seed out what, like a foot above like the actual plant. Where do you uh, bring your water up to? Oh, uh, I, I like to keep it short. I like to keep the water short, you know, 18 okay. inches or less, because a, a lot of times blackbirds and other other non-waterfowl birds are going to get on that milo stalk and they're going to knock a lot of that stuff down to the water. Okay. I didn't know that. And, so we, the only time I've tried it, we brought it like right up to the seed. Mm -hmm. So you're, um, probably, you're, you're saying you keep it another foot or 18 inches below that? So the, the water depth being... Yeah foot to okay. 18 inches um, yeah, the birds will right. knock it down yeah but that's a three four foot crop right uh -huh. Uh -huh. okay well i'll try that well and 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 this too as the season wears on you know start the water shallow and bring it up as the season goes on you don't want to you don't want to set that buffet table too early yeah um you know having it right up to the to the Milo head, right right off the bat. Hey man, um, this baby's crying. Can, oh. can we? Yes, let's pause. Let's let's pause, and we'll come right do it right back. I'll, I'll be right back. Okay, cool. All right, so we're back. Jody had to deal with uh, a crying baby for a minute there, but uh, we can move on from the sorghum. I'm going to try it out, and I'll let you know how it goes uh, in the fall. But um, 
that leads me to like seed. And that is something that we're doing right now, finalizing it um, kind of as we speak, which is kind of March, but we, we've been doing it the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, we're finalizing where we're putting what um, and kind of like going off of the audits that we talked about last year, like last year we were forced to plant more small grain seed that we like more millet, more buckwheat, just cause we couldn't get into a bunch of uh, corn. But that did show us some stuff that like we got birds to wetlands that we'd never had early. I mean, we had, the first two weeks were incredible. So we're using that data and designing a plan and narrowing down how much seed we need. And we'll probably get it ordered like in the next week, something like that. You guys doing the same? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, doing a lot of soil testing and trying to, trying to identify, you know, where we're going to put stuff, um, yeah. how many acres we're going to put in and, and just trying to pin stuff down. We're in the same boat, man trying to pin everything down and, and make sure we got what we need. So when it's go time, we're ready to rock and roll. Well, here's what that's part of it for us, but here's what we run into here. And I don't know if it's the same thing with you. Like if we wait until the last minute to order. So like last year is a perfect example. Um, we had a couple guys that wanted us to put in wetlands late and nobody could get in corn. So everyone's panicking and buying all the millet they can. And we had to scramble to get millet. Like you just couldn't go into a store and buy it. Yeah. Couldn't get it here. So we had to like pull some strings to get it. So same thing with like short season corn. Uh-huh. You can get all the short season corn you want now, but if you wait until it's too late and when everybody wants it. Yeah. It's not so easy. Yeah. So yeah. That's why we're doing it now. Yes. Um, what we don't do, and I don't know if you guys do it there, you might, do you ever like fly over a bunch of millet? Oh, uh, Man, we haven't. I haven't personally flown in um, any. Now I know that that's a pretty common practice. Um, we've got a solid enough bottom that we usually just mud it in. Okay. You know the the muddier the better. Um, you know, getting in there. Oh. So how big of patches are you guys like mudding in? Like you're talking timber, right? You're just walking in and broadcasting, or what? Um, mostly, mostly where I put. Uh, jet millet is is usually in wetland pools, WRP okay. tracks, and and you know maybe some some of the bar areas that start drying out in July, and some of those lower elevations. Um, millet takes wet or likes wet feet, and so it takes water really well. Um, so in those really low elevations, all you got to do is get it up a foot, and you can put some yeah. inches of water on it, and yep. you know you can kind of follow it up as a as the summer progresses there but um i i don't fly any in it's i'm usually a muddy mess the month of july yeah. whenever we're putting it in but uh, i i put in i don't know a pallet last year and ran out could have could i use two yeah because we we're in the same boat we, we we didn't plant a whole lot of corn last year and and had to had to kind of diversify you know had to steer away from our normal plan and and so this year I'm ordering two pallets and um, uh, going back with a golden millet, Jane um, yeah. Slade out of Texas. Uh, he's just now sending out pre-order forms. And, and uh, anyway, I'm really impressed with that stuff. Really? Big heads. And, and unlike, unlike jet millet, golden millet will come back each year. And, 
you know, sometimes you need to plant a, have a real nice stand of wild milk or um, Japanese milk. Yeah. You'll see a little bit of it next year. Yeah, you'll get a little volunteer. Not yeah. this stuff. It's like oh, you planted it all over again. If the yeah. ducks don't eat it all, it's going to come back up. No kidding. And, and so I'm really excited about that. Um, because yeah, we'll have to, when we get into, uh, when do you guys plant that? Like June there? Uh, it, it's going to be July, probably. July? Okay. If, if we do it much earlier, um, in August and September, we can get a heavy rain, blackbirds move in, knock the stuff on the ground, and it could re germ. So I like to wait a little longer until I can start putting water okay. on. So it's falling into the water and not having the opportunity to germinate again. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, when we get to that time, you'll have to show, you'll have to get some video of that. Cause we're pretty unfamiliar with that stuff too. Like it is Japanese millet here or nothing if you're doing millet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I see all that stuff. That's just kind of like what people have done here. So we've kind of adopted that. So, but I'm curious to try some of this stuff to see if it, you know, to see if it works here. So, when we get to that point, you'll have to send us some video on what that sure. looks like and how it does. Um, burning. You're starting to burn or you're planning to burn? Uh, well, uh, yesterday, yesterday we burned about six miles of levee. Um, okay. Well, that's officially in March, though, so that's next. But we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we, I, I picked up a contract for a local levee district. Um to help them get 26 miles of levee burnt. Okay. Um, you know, it's 300 acres, which isn't that big of a deal unless it's 26 miles long. And sure. so we, we burned, you know, a few miles last night of the levee. Um, today it was too windy. Tomorrow is going to be perfect conditions. Um, you know, I'm looking for anything that has less than 10 mile an hour wind and, you know, below 50% relative humidity but above 25 yeah. today today it was 35 mile an hour winds and 25 percent humidity um gosh you guys must be drier than we are because we're still really wet i mean okay. today it might have helped a little bit with the wind but man it's still real real soft real wet yeah huh it, uh, it's wet don't get me wrong um it is wet and <laughs> we're pushing the envelope right. uh, <laughs> uh well we um Luckily, my farm manager does most of the burning for me, so I don't have to like. I tell him, out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to like. I hate <laughs> with a passion. <laughs> I did too much of it growing up, and too many went wrong. So yeah. um, he does that on my small farm. We usually do it once every three or four years. And so I know that usually, like, like at our big farms, our big clients will rotate stuff. Mm -hmm. I like get a three or four year plan, and but man, mine is so small that I just burn it all and two or three years later i'll do it again so man i'm chomping at the bit i, uh, I i've got to i've got to hold off a little bit here um i brush hog down the rest of my deer plot corn yeah um and anyway it is there's a bunch of corn on the ground still um and good. and um I'm holding off. I'm going to wait until a couple weeks before turkey season before I go in and disc it. And whenever I disc it, I'm going to go ahead and disc my fire lines in. I mowed them uh, this winter. And I'll burn right before turkey season. Turkeys love stuff that's just been burned. Just burned. Just burning up. Love it. <laughs> and so anyway, uh, that, man, that's 
that's how I try to draw turkeys in, you know, from the neighbors. There's transient birds just like we have transient bucks. Yeah. Some of those turkeys are just bouncing around, you know, and, and so they find something they like and, and, you know, you're drawing hens to that, uh, to that freshly burnt stuff. Um, and you can pick them up pretty easy. It's almost like they can smell it or they can see the smoke. They just they like do dig it. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've had that same. I don't get too much into turkey hunting. I used to, but they do seem to dig it. A lot of stuff like that fresh, that fresh burn stuff. Mm-hmm. And you get to find some sheds. Yeah. 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 Find a few. Have you seen any? No. You know what? Pewter does most of that. I, I mean, I can't believe you have the time. Like I have the three, you know, three-year-old twins. I haven't been in a, I haven't been deer hunting in seven years, man. Yeah. I'll get back into it at some point, but I don't have the time yet. Yeah. But no, he's uh, Pudic and Matt, my two deer guys. They're, um, we just did the Whitetail series yesterday, two days uh-huh. ago. Uh-huh. And for whatever reason, they like they both like to stay out of the timber a little longer. Yeah. Um, they're, bo- they're both running those um, those uh, link systems. The tr- uh-huh. like, um, so like they can they know when they're dropping. And for the most part, they're saying a lot of them are still carrying here. We are too. Yeah. Uh, I saw a couple bucks just yesterday. They're yeah. still carrying. So they're like they don't want to get in there and you know screw anything up until they have right. to, or, or until they know that like one of the ones they're after is down. Yeah, right. So, um, but getting off track. Um, burning your tracks on the ground. Uh, I'm still developed. Are you completely dry? Are you are have you drawn down everything? The only thing I've drawn down so far are the places that we're working on, that we working have on. construction like planned for the spring. Uh, wetland pools, um, where I'm where, where I'm planting, even where I'm planting food plot corn. If I'm not doing production corn in a pool, I'm not drawing down until May. Really. Yeah, because yeah. like with our soil types, it ha- we have to get heat in order to help dry it out. Yeah. And so we can drop the water out now, and it's still not going to dry out good enough until the 1st of June. And so I'm, I'm holding that water so I can get a better moist soil response. I mean, if I drop the water now, I'm going to get cockleburrs and some smart weed and some bunch of other crap that I don't want. Yeah, and I wait until May and draw down. I'm getting Pennsylvania smartweed and wild millet, and then I'm gonna go plant corn. You know, right through it. Yeah, that's and, crazy. That's cool. That's just a different soil type because I mean, that makes 100 percent sense. But here where we're at, we draw down. I want it. Well, I want to empty by April, uh-huh. middle of April, because I don't care if I plant it then. But the first good window that we get, and I'm talking like a one or two day window. I'm not talking like a month window. Because sometimes those wetlands, like we don't, if you miss one, you miss it all. And for the most part, those things can tolerate, you know, if you get it, let's say you plant it and a couple of weeks later, you get a good rain and it's underwater a couple inches for a day. They can tolerate that stuff for the most part here. But if, but if we wouldn't have planted we couldn't plant, you know, for another right. month after that rain. So yeah. ours is just different, but that's cool. That's how it works there. We and but we nuke everything. We we disc it, spray it. So when we're and some of those, we'll even bring in like the rototiller, those tillers uh-huh. to bring it up. So it is dry, clean stuff, and we'll just throw in corn. And 
if we missed the if we missed our window, sometimes we're screwed. Like last year, there was a few windows that people did get in corn, mm-hmm. but those that missed those small ones, there were so we had it was probably a day window. And I bet of our um I think we have let's say on my farms we have a hundred acres of food plots, ninety. Um, we probably only got in thirty of corn just because we ran out of time and the next day that window was closed. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm pulling mine down now. Uh-huh. I have a video. I wish you could see it. That's the downside of the software is you can't see the video that I'm playing. But uh, we're probably only down. Um, so most of my wetlands are like three feet or lower, mm-hmm. four feet tops. And I've dropped from about 50%. Yeah. So we're, we're probably, you know, 18 inches, somewhere yeah. in that range. Yeah. Gosh, it's. Like we're holding not a ton of birds, but they're always right on that shoreline. They're getting stuff that they couldn't have got two weeks ago. And the geese too. Like we're actually this little video, we're holding fewer birds than we usually do. I mean, but again, we get everything. We get specks, snows, mm-hmm. you know, ducks, Canadians. And the day before I shot this, you know, we had thousands and thousands and literally maybe five thousand birds there. They just they didn't like that drawdown. So we more and more, we're doing it uh, slower and slower than we usually do. Mm-hmm. I like the like you're saying you have those 24 inch outlets. We have some of those too for those big rains that we want to dry it quickly. But now, when it's not super like, you know, we're not doing it to plant corn tomorrow. We're doing it to right. feed these ducks a little bit. Um, uh-huh. We're doing it more than we used to because it, it, they seem to they seem to dig those shallows. When you keep changing it, man, they they stick around until it's dry. So you won't start. So when will you, will you slowly draw yours down, or will you get all the way to May and then just pull the plug? It it depends. Um, you know, it takes me a, a, a couple of years to really put my finger on the pulse of a wetland. Once I get it pinned down and and I've got a good idea of how it functions and how it reacts, some pools I'll drop the water out quick whenever I see a window or, or like a five or six day stretch where we're going to have mid eighties. Yeah. Um, drop the water out quick so i expose more mud flats at the same time with that heat we'll see more millet germinate and so when i see that coming sometimes i'll drop it out quick but a lot of times it's a slow drawdown try to do it an inch a day um the the only thing that i have drawn down uh the things that i have drawn down um i lied to you earlier uh i started pulling water off of our timber pools this week um, because of the warmer temperatures uh i i don't want to do that whenever um the temperatures fluctuating and it would get some really cold weather um you know it's hard on the trees um so i i wait for things to moderate a little bit and then start drawing that water down but man there were thousands of dollars and pounds the other day whenever i went in there to start pulling i'm like man i hate to do this to all but uh ducks and timber for whatever reason like uh, the right time uh, um, (laughs) okay i think the only thing we've covered what am i missing then we have development you had tracks on the ground we're ordering seeds fires um drawing down stuff yeah so so drawing down stuff are you fighting any beavers over there Oh, dude. Yeah. So we typically, so most of our stuff, um, 
most of the wetlands that we designed and built, we use agar drains, right? Uh -huh. Similar to the stuff that you designed. So most of it is subsurface. So we usually don't fight beavers until like the last, you know, 25%. Um, and then it's all out war. Like truly, uh -huh. they're the worst. We have a few at Double Clock um, that are like, they're not tiled, they're just ditches. And they'll plug those things up every night. But we already have one that somehow has blocked our agri drain like three foot underwater. Uh -huh. So I don't even actually know how to, we'll probably just have to pump it dry. Because some of those make me nervous, man. Like you go down there and fix it and it's a, you know, eight, I don't know what it's, 18 inches. And uh -huh. you get that baby free and that suction is strong, man. Like I wouldn't want to be underwater when I fix that. Yeah. What? I don't know how we'll fix that one, but uh, yeah, they're the, they're the worst. I know that. You guys, um, already, you guys fighting those already? Yeah, yeah. Um, man, it's a battle every year. But it seems like this year, uh, there's there's more of them around. I don't know if it's because of all the flooding and stuff last year. Yeah, uh, I had a lot of them in, in wetlands. That I, you know, I've got trappers that come out. We caught nine beavers out of a thirty-five acre lake. I mean, a thirty-five acre wetland pool. Um, it's just crazy how many of them are around. Yeah, but. Uh, it, it, it's every morning like they will they will clog them up every night I'm, and I'm so sure. first thing in the morning that's what we do we go we get after the beaver dams and and try to get them busted open so we can drain all day because yeah. we know we're gonna get hung up again you, you know tonight and yeah go back down there and do it all over again tomorrow you should put up a one of them could put up a trail camera and get those little bastards building there. <laughs> and every day, like it's bigger and stronger. Like in the ditches we have, it starts pretty small, but by like literally by when we want it dry, they're twelve foot front to back. It's unreal. Yeah, yeah. I need to yeah. put a little trail camera there. I, I got a sixty foot stretch right now. They're they're across the ditch, or it, it's a big wide old old borrow ditch, and. They're 60 feet across it. Oh. And they and do it every night? Every night. Well, and, and we're not busting the whole thing open. We're just you know, each, each night, you know, yeah. or each morning getting like 10 feet of it busted out. Yeah. And you'd, think, you'd think you'd like break their spirit, but you never do. <laughs> no. Uh, I will I will set up a trail camera tomorrow. That would be awesome. On, on that spot, and we'll catch them, we'll catch them in action there. So do you trap? Do you have? Do you trap or do you have guys trap? I don't trap. I don't trap. I'm, I'm no good at it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> our our local conservation agent Clay is a predator man. Uh, yeah. He's really good, and <laughs> you know season's over, so uh, it takes a you know a nuisance permit. Yeah. And uh, the trappers that I used to have always used to have to call him to get the nuisance permit, and anyway he. He called me one day. He's like, "Hey, man, what? Why, why do you? Why, why are we always, you know, giving you guys nuisance permits?" He's like, "Well, I'm trying to get water off." He's like, "Oh, you're a duck hunter." I was like, "Yeah, yes." He's like, <laughs> he's like let, "Let me come down and help you." And so well, he, he's been trapping for me for you know like the last eight years, and he's uh. really good, um, and and isn't afraid, it, it, it isn't afraid to get after it, and, and especially after season's over, come and help me. Uh -oh. which is which is absolutely yeah. key oh yes we have we struggle a little bit because i don't know 
again, you have much bigger properties with different areas to hunt. Ours are fairly confined. And I always worry about dogs stepping on those traps. So I usually wait until at least duck season's over. So we have a small window. So it's like the end of duck season until, you know, the end of trapping season. And we, we do okay. Like I think we caught uh, two beavers. This is just on mine. This is not double clock. Caught two beavers and otter, um, a mink, which we don't get very many mink. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then uh, on one uh, eight-acre wetland, seven or eight, we caught 97. Um, That's correct. Yes. They're everywhere. <laughs> 97. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, so trap if if uh, if you don't because that makes your life easier. Like, you know, we patch up. That's part. That's what we'll do. Like, you know, probably April we'll just come smooth our levees out. Yeah. We build them big enough, wide enough that it's usually not an issue. But if you don't patch them up every couple of years, it becomes one. So yeah, we try to stay ahead of that. Yeah. One other thing I had happen this year that I've never had happen when you put out when you have new projects. I failed this year at like marking where I put stuff. So we ran power to a new wetland and I forgot that we had an ice eater out there. So when I lowered it, I lowered the water, I had the ice eater going. And it was, it was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, so, did the muskrats get to the cord? Well, I don't, I don't think it was that. Well, maybe I think it was either it has a, like a kill switch when it's out of water or it just burnt up the motor. Cause it was two feet out of the water and it's, it, it's not starting. Yeah. So thousand dollar lesson learned the hard way. So yeah. next year we're definitely going to mark like where everywhere. Cause we're spread out a little bit, you know, different properties. Well, sure. We'll mark where we put that stuff. Yeah. But that was for the most part, that's it for us this month. Missing anything? Man, I don't think so. Um, oh, I know what else we're talking about. Uh, you're putting in a couple pits. And this isn't a long conversation. I know we're going on 40, 45 minutes. We try to keep them fairly short, which we fail yeah. at every time. But um, you're putting in a couple pits, right? Yeah, we got a couple to move. And and I'm hoping I am hoping I can get one moved this weekend. Um, it, you know, just always fine-tuning. Yeah. And we, we've got a, we got a couple on order and, and just trying to, trying to get a little jump on it, especially in – you know those places where we're going to be planting corn try yeah. to get those pits in before the corn goes in and you know give them a chance to you know get some vegetation around them before uh you know before season yep so it's be, always the biggest challenge yep and, and you'll be scrambling last minute we you know you always are but the more you can do earlier and work so we're doing that and we're also like Again, we're uh, one of ours is a hunt club. It's a little different, but like some of the blinds that we have that people really enjoy, and we kill a lot of ducks. We're talking about like expanding them. So a few of them are only four person pits. So we're like, you know, how can we, uh, how can we make those the blinds? How could we make those six? You know, so if they want to bring two or three guests each, it's not a big deal. Um, yeah. Or you know, if that's where they're killing ducks, like let's load it up, right? Yeah. Let's have eight people in there, whatever it is. So that's what we're going over now, and we'll, we're not doing it now, but we'll probably do it when the weather breaks a little bit. Yeah, so what kind of pits are you putting in? Well, let me ask you about that in a second. I'll tell you what I'm putting in. So the, the subsurface pits we're putting in are Bradley blinds. Uh-huh. And have you seen those before? Yep. Yep, I've put a few in. So we have, um, on mine, we have four 20-foot Bradleys. And they're awesome. They're huge. Uh-huh. Huge. But the battle that we're having with those is if you don't put them in in the spring and give – and then 
backfill around them and give that dirt time to settle, we can't keep them under. We can't keep them from popping up. Yeah. So, I mean, it's happened two or three years in a row where we'll put them in. So this year, I literally set it back down, and it was in the fall, so we didn't have time to backfill around it. But I had six two thousand pound concrete blocks, all tied to each other, all tied to the pit. And it didn't pop up, but it bumped up about a foot, mm-hmm. which is enough to like aggravate you. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so this year we're gonna go back in the spring, and you know, it, as long as we do it in the spring and give enough backfill around them, typically they're good. Uh-huh. So that's what we're using for pits. They're pricey, but they last forever. They're awesome. Right. For we're just oh, you frozen again? Yeah. Yeah, froze there for a second. Okay. And yeah. What are, are you? So you've used one Bradley. What do you usually use? <clears throat> I I've installed several Bradleys in the past, but <laughs> um, man, a few years ago, I I kind of got together with these guys at Concealed Comfort, and oh, they are they're producing a really nice pit. It like. I, I built my own pits. I've had guys fabricate them. I've installed every kind of pit that's on the market. And these guys have nailed it. Like the, from the design to the construction to all the, all the little things that you, you wish you had in a pit blind. Yeah. Like, like somebody doing the engineering work to make sure that they don't pop out of the ground. Um, the the wings that they put on them are specifically sized for the size of the pit, so yeah, you don't have to worry about them popping out. Um, but uh, Chris has been really good to work with down there, They're south of St. Louis, a little ways. And um, Chris is the concealed comfort guy. Yeah, Chris is uh, also the Bradley blinds guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's one of my boys, so I can't talk about uh, concealed comfort. <laughs> I, hey man, I get it. Actually. Okay. My- my neighbor shoots concealed comfort and he loves them. Uh-huh. I just knew those Bradleys are, I've only hunted one concealed comfort. I think it was one of their older models. Um, but gosh, the Bradleys are just so wide. Like again, usually when I'm hunting, I have like my kids with me. Sure. And, and like it's a wide roomy and, and that's half yeah. the battle for me. Yeah. But, so one, and we don't have to talk about this now, but one question to think about um, one of the projects I'd like to do in the fall or well in the summer um, I want to build a huge subsurface pit. So, like, sometimes, like, my wife wants to go or, like, you uh-huh. know. So, I want, like, a subsurface room. Like, I'm talking, like, a 20 by 20, something like that. But, like, the catch is, is that it's under the water table. So, I don't know what I'd use. Oh, man. You think about it. You're going to have to tell me now because, like, I'm talking, I'm thinking, like, formed walls i'm thinking blocks i'm thinking have bradley blinds custom fabricate something but i don't want it to pop like i don't i don't want that to ever happen so i'm like taking my time to try to figure out how to make that happen because right now it's i get like an hour maybe two hours with my seven-year-old so i need like i need some entertainment down there for him (laughs) right yeah so you you think that through and we'll we'll go over it next time yeah that's gonna be a challenge bud i know I'm not even sure it's possible, but I'd like to do something. And maybe it'll be – we have one that's like a, in a big brushy area. We don't shoot geese, but we shoot a ton of ducks. So I might just build like a, a big room in there and just load it with, with cover. But it'd be cool if I could shoot both out of it. Yeah, yeah. 
You, so you start thinking. <laughs> I you got my wheels turning already here. Nice, nice. Okay, well, I'm sure we're missing something, but we're going to skip it because we're going on an hour here. So um, <laughs> that will do it. That covers um, February. We're already into March a little bit, so we might double up on some of the stuff we talked about a little bit. But let's try to do it in like what three weeks from now ish. Yeah. Yeah, sounds great. Okay, well, cool. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back at you guys uh, in about a month or so. All right, John. Take care, bye.